Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. A platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Over the past 20 years, China and ASEAN coordination and cooperation in various fields have accelerated the construction of a closer global community with a shared future. For us, I mean, China has always been here and we've been friends with China and ASEAN. Uh, both China and ASEAN are very important uh, engine for the world economy. China and ASEAN have become each other's largest trading partner, with trade expected to exceed one trillion U.S. dollars this year. The investment of China to the ASEAN countries at perhaps the highest level uh, uh, today. We import quite a lot of uh, agri products from China. China is our biggest uh, source of uh, import uh, materials. With the application of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. China and ASEAN take the lead in establishing a free trade area, driving the process of regional integration. This is a, a very important FTA block. Uh, in the past two years, it has provided a strong impetus for the regional economy's uh, development. Looping into the uh, RSM barn, RSM is really an extension of the ASEAN. Join us as we take you through the mutually beneficial cooperation between China and ASEAN. Explore the immense potential and what it means for global economic growth. Only on BizTalk. Only on CGTN. Well, welcome everyone to BizTalk. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. As China hosts the 20th China ASEAN Expo in the city of Nanning in South China's Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region, we want to look back, take stock of the present, and look forward to the future of this dynamic relationship. Now, at the beginning of the new millennium, trade between China and ASEAN stood at just 29 billion U.S. dollars. Fast forward to 2022, bilateral trade has skyrocketed by over 33-fold to over 975 billion dollars. So, for more on ASEAN and its relationship with China, I want to bring in our guests. Arshad Rashid is president director of one of Indonesia's leading integrated energy companies, Indica Energy. Arshad is also chairman of the ASEAN Business Advisory Council and chair of the Indonesia Chamber of Commerce and Industry. George Barcelon is president emeritus of the largest business organization in the Philippines. That would be the Philippine Chamber of Commerce and Industry. George also represents the Philippines on the ASEAN Business Advisory Council. And joining me in the studio is Professor Sun Xingren from the School of Asian Studies at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. So, gentlemen, welcome to you all. Uh, Arshan, I want to begin with you because the Asian Development Bank projects that Southeast Asia will grow about 4.6% this year. How would you describe the state of the ASEAN economy right now? Set the stage for us, Arshad. Well, uh, let me start with the theme of ASEAN. It says ASEAN matters, the epicentrum of growth. Mm. And that really shows as the ASEAN epicentrum of growth. Uh, you say that rightly, it's 4.6, and next year we're looking at 4.8% or even at 5. And we look at how we actually manage our inflation within ASEAN. I think we have been able to manage it very well. And uh, we, when we talk about investment per se, 
the amount of investment coming into ASEAN is as, is as high as ever before. So you can see then uh, if you also, and, and if you are here in ASEAN, you're in Jakarta, in Manila, in every part of ASEAN, you will feel the different energy, the energy of really wanting to drive, wanting to move forward, to do more things. So you can see and feel it, and it is an epicentrum of growth. Yeah. George, I want to turn over to you because the IMF is predicting that the world will grow by 3% this year when it comes to economic output. So ASEAN, the region in general, will be growing at a faster pace than the IMF projections. However, we are, of course, living in a world of, I believe, tremendous economic uncertainty. So how do you think ASEAN can really act as a regional stabilizer and also contribute to global growth, George? Well, for the past year, I mean, we have, have uh, several, uh, several meetings uh, with, uh, of course, uh, the host of uh, this year's uh, ASEAN, uh, Chairman uh, Achat, and uh, we're talking more of intra-investment, intra-trade among the ASEAN countries. Uh, we have uh, the ASEAN as a block, which is about more than 700 million population. And we're also looking forward uh, really developing the, uh, what we call the BIP Iaga, Brunei, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, the East, East uh, Growth Area. So all of this both uh, well for uh, looking to, towards the future. And the, uh, the fact that both our countries are demographically uh, uh, well uh, situated. Uh, and uh, we both countries, both of our countries have young population. Uh, of course, uh, Indonesia is about more than twice and a half, uh, two, two times and a half Philippines. We're about 115, they're about 280 million. But we're both young countries. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of upside to this. Yeah. Well, very young populations over in the Philippines and Indonesia. I guess that's the dynamism that Arshad was talking about in terms of promoting future growth. Professor So, I want to talk to you and how China stands in this relationship because China and ASEAN are each other's largest trading partners. I was mentioning last year bilateral trade reaching a whopping 975 billion US dollars. So, what do you think in terms of the future potential of growth when it comes to the economies of ASEAN and China? How robust is this relationship right now? What do you think? I think uh, both China and ASEAN are uh, economic dynamic economies in this region. And also, uh, both China and ASEAN are very important uh, engine for the world economy, especially in the now the world economy is uh, facing uh, many challenges uh, mm. today. So I think uh, uh, we know that uh, also China and ASEAN, the economic cooperation are very robust now. Uh, we know that uh, uh, not only China is, uh, and ASEAN are each other's biggest trade partners, but also we know, notice that uh, ASEAN's investment to China uh, in the past uh, 40 years is very huge. Mm. And also in recent years, China has become uh, uh, the biggest FDI resource country for uh, maybe Thailand or Malaysia or some other ASEAN countries. So China's FDI, FDI to, uh, uh, in Southeast Asia countries are increasing very uh, quickly. So uh, I think in the future, China ASEAN can cause more in investment, trade, and also many other fields under the framework of a better on the road, uh, such uh, uh, for, for example, about the green economy and uh, uh, new energy and also digital economy. I think the uh, potential is very uh, bright, uh, is very huge. Yeah. 
Uh, Arshad, I want to turn to you and get your take in terms of where the China-ASEAN relationship stands right now. Because, of course, we have a massive goods trade between China and ASEAN. But are you also seeing more Chinese investment into the region, like Professor Sun was saying? So this is not just about goods trade, but we're also talking about more intra-regional investment between China and ASEAN. Uh, you know, I went around for a roadshow and I met with all the chambers of, uh, of uh, each of the countries and met with the stakeholders. And each one of them, I spoke to them, and all of them, there's a lot of, uh, of, of Chinese uh, investment mm. uh, in Tukseat. And, and you, know, you can see in Indonesia, for, for one example, also that a lot of Chinese companies coming in in the ecosystem of electric vehicles, as an example. That so many Chinese companies are actually here right now in Indonesia. So you, I, I can see that the, the, the investment of China to the ASEAN countries are, the, are at the perhaps the highest level uh, uh, today. Yeah. And we, of course, we would like to see more of that. But again, at the same time, for ASEAN, we need to balance all, right? It's yeah. all about portfolio. <laughs> so, but we would love to have more. And for us, I mean, uh, China has always been here, and we've been friends with China and ASEAN. Stand is very clear. We want to work with all, and we want to work with China, uh, US, and everyone. No. That's how we see that. Uh, Professor Song, I want to come over to you and ask your take in terms of how China can contribute to ASEAN's development. China, of course, is a technology leader these days. How do you think China and ASEAN can better work together when it comes to technology cooperation? Mm. Oh, we, know that, we noticed that uh, in recent years, uh, China's enterprises have invested a lot in uh, South, Southeast Asia in the fields of high-tech uh, industries. Uh, for example, uh, China's Huawei now is pushing forward. Uh, 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 the China, uh, Southeast Asian countries are making joint, joint efforts to, uh, to implement the 5G uh, generation uh, the techniques. Uh, and also, uh, Huawei is uh, uh, helping the Southeast Asia enterprises to uh, do something about the uh, e-commerce or mobile or payment uh, technologies. And also another example is that China and Southeast Asia countries are uh, conducting more and more cooperation about the new energy uh, in the new energy fields. This uh, assists the ASEAN, ASEAN's uh, new energy transformation. And also uh, about digital economy, uh, China's uh, early uh, company and, uh, uh, are conducting some effort, uh, cooperation with Malaysia uh, company to uh, make some uh, mobile, mobile payment uh, platform. Mm. to facilitate the shopping and the trans transnational uh, e-commerce. What about poverty alleviation, Professor Song? Because China and ASEAN, well, the vast majority of, I would say, ASEAN members are still developing economies. And China, of course, has abundant experience when it comes to poverty alleviation at home. Are there techniques, experiences, and models that China can share with ASEAN when it comes to really raising living standards and raising people out of poverty? Yeah, uh, this is a, a very important area for China ASEAN's future, uh, current and also future cooperation. Uh, because China has achieved a lot in the poverty elevation and its uh, 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 valuable experience are uh, welcomed by ASEAN countries. Uh, in recent years, I, I, we, I conduct with some uh, foreign exchanges with ASEAN scholars. They are very careful about the uh, China's experience about poverty elevation. They want to uh, look at, uh, they want to visit the uh, former um, poor areas, now become rich areas in China, mm. to, to see what's the big changes. So now I think uh, 
uh, China can provide some experience, uh, experiences or uh, uh, capital or uh, human resources to uh, assist some ASEAN countries to uh, uh, get rid of the poverty. Yeah, and perhaps infrastructure can play a role in this as well when it comes to linking up the region and increasing economic prosperity. Arshan, I want to come over to you and get your take on the Belt and Road Initiative and potentially what it means for ASEAN. Uh, um, the One Belt Initiative, I think, is a very good uh, program that actually China has initiated. I flew to Laos, to Laos, and then uh, and there I was brought to what we call the dry port. And that's where the connectivity between of the railway from China all the way to ASEAN. And then now it's being developed more towards uh, to, to all the way to Singapore, all the way to Malaysia, Singapore, all the way. And that actually connecting to China and connecting to Europe. That's my... So that, this is one of the, uh, I think, a great initiative by the uh, uh, One Belt, One Road initiative in which then you can see the reality of this connectivity. And then and how this is land connectivity being, you know, being built. And more than that also, I think the involvement of China, for example, in, in building uh, infrastructure project in Indonesia and all other ASEAN countries. So I think this is something that uh, very important because at the end of the day, when we talk about economic growth, it's how to make sure that we can create an efficient economy. And we talk about efficient economy, we talk about uh, infrastructures. If you don't have the infrastructures, then you don't have an efficient and productive uh, economy. Yeah, I actually want to ask you and George about micro, small and medium sized enterprises, but I, I definitely agree in terms of if we see more people to people exchanges as this relationship between China and ASEAN becomes more robust, definitely we're going to see stronger common values uh, as well. When it comes mm -hmm. to SMEs, how about George, let me get your take first in terms of how China and ASEAN can better work together to really support small and medium-sized enterprises. SMEs in general, these are sort of the backbones of many economies around the world in terms of job creation, in terms of businesses. Now with RCEP in place, we're going to talk about that in a second, we should also see a jump when it comes to cross-border e-commerce. So what do you think? What, what does China-ASEAN relationship mean for really supporting SMEs in the region? Uh, when we talk about SMEs, uh, uh, it brings up the importance of uh, the uh, big companies coming or you know investing in the Philippines, and the SMEs are usually the supply chain. They form the supply chain of big companies, and uh, this is what we'd like to attract uh, for uh, you know big uh, Chinese investment to come to the Philippines, wherein uh, this will bring a lot of growth for the SMEs. Uh, we are. Uh, we are somehow with the uh, Belt and Road uh, Initiative, we, Philippines seems to be out of the loop because these are land-based. Okay? But we have our own, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the rail going to Bitong, and this is one of the areas that we're focusing in, is the, uh, the uh, what's called roll roll, roll, uh, roll, roll on and roll off, and which can be the cheapest logistic of uh, of uh, transport between uh, Indonesia from Bitong to our Jensan to Davao, okay? and there are other routes that can be explored in the Roro uh, area. So this is how I think uh, all of this complement each other. Yeah, Arshad, I want to come back to you and, and talk about SMEs in terms of how you view ASEAN as a community can really 
boost the power of SMBs to do business, not just in the region, but around the world, and perhaps how the China-ASEAN relationship can really help boost small and medium-sized enterprises as well? Yes. Um, so uh, let me just take one example of a legacy project mm. that actually we have done in this ASEAN chair, uh, Indonesian chairmanship this year. Uh, one we call it is under the priorities of the digital transformation, which is we call it the Wiki Entrepreneur platforms. Yeah. This is where to connect uh, small medium enterprises within ASEAN. But at the same time, we put in what we call the inclusive closed-loop model into it, which is the 3M, mentorship, uh, uh, market, and money, which is then what it is about is about, again, how we, we want to connect and curate large corporations. For example, take one example, if there is a Chinese company or a Japanese company or any other companies who actually, let's say, wants to have furniture built in, in, in Indonesia. So we like to ask the company to actually, you know, we'll, we'll give the small and medium enterprises for them to choose and then how to work with them. But we would like to them to ask to do a mentorship, how to process it, how to design it, how to do that. And then that's actually mentorship. Then the uh, the second part is the market, giving access to market and how this access to market is by off-taking those products. Then the third, of course, it comes then to the funding, which is the money. Eventually, if you have mentorship, and also the offtake or the market access, then the small and medium enterprises in, for example, in any country or in Indonesia or any other ASEAN countries, will be able to get access of funding for working capital. So with that, this is the way how we want to develop more, you know, participation of uh, small, medium enterprises. But the biggest challenge right now is also more beyond that, which is then, you know, I, I let me borrow to what uh, President Marcos mentioned about nano. You know, we, we are talking about not, even not micro, but nano. So mm. There's more of, of nano businesses, micro businesses, small, you know. So now is how to upgrade them. And this is one of the things that we are, we are trying to do, how to upgrade our you know, nano to micro, micro to small and small to medium and so forth. For an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers, this is BizTalk. So let's tackle the big term, RCEP, RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, whatever you want to call it. This is now the world's largest free trade agreement. What do you think it means for the region, first of all? Uh, RCEP uh, covers about more than 2 billion people mm. uh, in this area. I think this is a, a very important uh, uh, FTA block, which uh, in the past uh, two more than two years, it has provided uh, strong impetus for the regional economy's uh, development. Uh, for example, there are uh, low tariffs, tariffs or even zero tariffs, and a very convenient uh, customer clearance. And also, uh, there are very huge, uh, just as I said, more than two billion people's big market. This is the biggest in the, in the world. Uh, so uh, we can see that in the past uh, two years, uh, both China, ASEAN countries, and also other members in ASEP, their, uh, uh, their exports, their trade is growing uh, compared to the world trade, uh, the growth. And also their, the mutual investment among the uh, uh, ASEP members are growing, such as China and ASEAN's mutual investment. Mm. And also, I noticed that uh, in the Philippines and also in the Indonesia or other some ASEAN countries, 
there, special agricultural products are very famous. Although the productivity is very low, but their qu quality is very high, uh, such as the tomatoes or potatoes from the uh, Philippines, they are organic. So, so I think organic food uh, trade, maybe production, uh, is another uh, field we can cooperate between China and ASEAN uh, countries because you know, final goal of our cooperation is to uh, improve our people's life. So in China, uh, many people uh, want to eat organic food. Uh, so China can import more from Southeastern countries, not just fruit, but maybe more organic food from Southeastern countries. Oh, interesting. Okay, so organic vegetables maybe or yeah, yeah, other yeah. organic foods. That could be a very, very big market, very big opportunity yeah, yeah, yeah. for Southeast Asia um, in terms of exports to China. So when we talk about RCEP, um, Professor Song, do you think the best days are still ahead for China and ASEAN on this front? Because RCEP is still a relatively young phenomenon, right? This FTA just came into effect not that long ago. Uh, for the Philippines, I think uh, more recent compared to to other countries in the region, but would you say that the better days or the best days are still ahead for China ASEAN when it comes to this economic relationship? Yeah, I think on the one hand, we notice that China and ASEAN has capital, China ASEAN FTA. Yeah. So, and also China ASEAN are negotiating about the upgrading of the capital. So I think there will be another new agreement to foster the growth of capitals. Uh, and also under this, the new agreement, China ASEAN's uh, investment, trade, and also people-to-people -people exchanges will be boosted uh, in the future. And on the other hand, there is ASEP. Uh, now, now we can see that ASEP has 15 members, but then China and ASEAN and also other members in ASEP are talking about the enlargement of ASEP, uh, and uh, uh, the members are making the procedures about uh, uh, accepting new members. I think in the future, ASEP will become larger and larger. We can see the uh, uh, new development of ASEP and its new uh, uh, impetus to the uh, regional or even global economy. Yeah. Mm. Arshad, I want to turn to you in terms of what RCEP potentially means for boosting the economic resilience of ASEAN and for the wider region, because the global economy right now is a little bit cloudy. We don't know how long it's going to be uncertain for, but RCEP bringing more trade and investment into the region, can that really have a significant effect in terms of really providing a buffer, resilience for ASEAN in the region in general? And I think definitely. Um, I think the utilizations of this uh, RCEP is still very, very low. And this is how we have to work on it, how to make sure that, uh, you know, this RCEP is taking a really a, a, a front row where everyone works on it and to make sure that that utilization is really uh, optimized. Now, this is where we cannot just focus on large corporation, but focusing on this, uh, you know, medium and small enterprises to be part of this. And that's why I was mentioning about how, you know, RCEP is so big, but how to translate it into simplified words so that everyone can understand and everyone can be participating in utilizing this RCEP. It, it is the largest uh, uh, trading, you know, in the world today, uh, city agreement. And I, I do believe it's still in the very uh, start stage, embryo stage, so we, we can actually expand further. We have to make sure, again, the instillment of values uh, that, that, that we have, because to make sure that, you know, all this economic development is for the benefit and the share prosperity for all people. Yeah.
Well, I have one final question for all of our panelists. And Arshad, how about I just uh, follow up with you in terms of a very high level, very broad question in terms of how you think a more prosperous ASEAN and Asia in general can really help to maintain a peaceful environment for our international community. Because again, we're facing a lot of uncertainty right now when it comes to global economics and geopolitical uncertainty. But what do you think a peaceful ASEAN means for the wider world? And then George, I'll come to you on this as well. There'll be no prosperity if there's no peace. Because yeah. in order to create prosperity, you have to create economic growth. And economic growth can only happen if there is a political stability and also security stability, which is then peacefulness. So peace is a very key important. Only after you have peace and you can create prosperity, then where you actually intend for the people and how you actually then make sure the planet is well yeah, for the people. Yeah. And then, and so it, it is. It is something that I, I do. I do believe that uh, the key importance of peace in the region, but not only in the region, but globally, is very important. Yeah, George, your take on this peace definitely the foundation for development and prosperity. What do you think? Looping into the uh, RCEP environment, RCEP is really an extension of the ASEAN. You add five industrialized, wealthy nations: China, Japan, Korea, New Zealand, Australia. And these are huge market that uh, uh, all the ASEAN countries would like to tap. Uh, and we hope that uh, moving forward, uh, that uh, this will bring about inclusive growth in our country. Our overarching uh, uh, objective, we call the, uh, the six H. The six H meaning the first, we have to deal with hunger. Second is the health. Third is the housing. Fourth is the human empowerment and skills. Fifth is the human dignity, you know, being able to get to be gainfully employed and to feed their family. And the sixth is the combination of the five, happiness index. Yeah. So we, we, we have the six, six, six H's that we think that uh, moving forward, the world at peace, wherein everybody has their role to play, and everybody, especially among the ASEAN countries, we can complement each other. And uh, again, going back to the centrality of ASEAN, uh, we do we feel that it's important, especially now in the uncertainty that's created outside of our region, that we want to have unity among the ASEAN countries. Yeah. Thank you. Well, the happiness index, I'll rate, I think, happiness up there, right up there when it comes to economic growth as well. So <laughs> happiness and GDP ranks pretty much number one in my books. Professor Song, I want to give you the final word in terms of what you think a peaceful and prosperous Southeast Asia and ASEAN in general means for the world. And what do you think China can do to really also support uh, peace and prosperity in the region? Yeah, I think uh, the peace is the precondition uh, about the, for the development. Uh, uh, now China is uh, cooperating with, with uh, ASEAN countries to uh, try our best to maintain the peace in this region. For example, China and ASEAN are t uh, uh, taking the principle of open regionalism, and uh, we are conducting uh, inclusive cooperation in this region, not, exclu not exclusive cooperation in this region. And also, China and ASEAN uh, also uh, put forward that uh, the regional countries should uh, replace the competition uh, yeah. uh, through dialogue and consultation. So, uh, uh, and through peaceful means to resolve our disputes. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, a lot of potential for ASEAN when it comes to growth and development, a lot of potential when it comes to the China-ASEAN relationship as well. Many thanks to Professor Sung, to George, and to Arshad as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of BizTalk here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time.